This is episode number 95 of Unfolding Words, Freedom in Christ. Can we do whatever we want? My name is Antracia Moorings, and welcome to my weekly podcast where I share biblical truth to offer light for your walk and life for your soul. I so appreciate you tuning in this week, and I hope that you are staying safe and sane. These are really unprecedented times that we're living in with the COVID-19 virus. It's nothing like we've ever seen in our lifetimes. And where I live in California, as I'm recording this, today marks seven weeks that we've been on a state-mandated shut-in. And by the look of the news reports, many people are fed up with being on this state-mandated lockdown. We have Beaches that have been closed, people are protesting, Orange County beaches being closed here in Southern California, non-essential businesses have been closed, and people are pushing back against our governor, Gavin Newsom's orders. The protests are growing across the state. People are lining the streets. They've even protested outside of his mansion with signs that say, humanity first, my constitutional rights are essential. They have signs that say freedom over fear, land of the free, not the forced. People are really upset that we live in a democracy, but that the leaders, those who many of us elected into office, are governing the land, which is what they're elected to do. So is freedom doing whatever you want? Yes, we live in America, which is known as the land of the free. But does that mean that we can do whatever we want? And it's true that many are experiencing economic crisis here in California. But as a leader, how is he supposed to curb this virus if people are bucking against the guidelines that he's set in place? And don't get me wrong, it's a complicated and a multi-layered subject. I get it. The economic impact is staggering. But this subject got me thinking about how we as Americans act when our freedom is threatened. And I put air quotes around that because many may not feel that their freedom is being threatened right now. And the boundaries were put in place for a reason. These are not arbitrary boundaries. They were put in place based on statistics and what we see happening in our state. But that does not stop the protests from increasing. And isn't this how we often act when it comes to our spiritual freedom? So that's what I want to talk about today is when we get freedom in Christ, how do we respond when we feel like our freedom is infringed upon? So by definition, freedom is a state of liberty that results from not being oppressed or in bondage. And scripture points out that humans lack freedom because of sin, but it's faith in Jesus Christ that brings freedom from the power of sin and the law. Patrick Henry, who's one of America's founding fathers, declared this very famous line. He said, give me liberty or give me death. And he was urging the American colonies to revolt against England so that they could be free of their reign. So Patrick Henry spoke only a few a few weeks before the Revolutionary War began. And to him, liberty was as precious as life itself. And we know that Jesus came to give us liberty. We see this in Luke chapter 4. Verses 18 and 19 that say, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. 
He has sent me to proclaim liberty to the captives and recovering of sight to the blind, to set at liberty those who are oppressed, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. But what kind of liberty does Jesus offer exactly? Like who determines the parameters of Jesus's liberty? So for the Jews that lived during Jesus' time, this liberty meant freedom from foreign domination, from the governmental authorities that were over them. But Jesus's main goal with the freedom that he offered was that he was going to set people's spirits free from sin. And the freedom that matters the most is the freedom that Jesus Christ gives. Jesus said that people are really free when the son sets them free, the son meaning he himself. He said this in John chapter 8 and 36. And Paul also expounded on this freedom that Jesus brings. And really what it boils down to is that this freedom is thought of in terms of the truth setting people free. And these words might be understood in the fact that Jesus himself is the truth. Paul said, now the Lord is the spirit and where the spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. Second Corinthians three and 17. Now our freedom mostly has to do with being let go from the slavery of sin. The new Testament shows us that if people are left to themselves, they cannot defeat sin. We may have a desire to do good, and to change our lives and to live good, honest lives. But evil is still too powerful for us. Even if we live a good enough life or a better than good life, it's still not enough to destroy the evil power of sin that reigns. But because of Christ's spirit, we can overcome the power of sin. That is, if that spirit lives in you. Romans 8 and 2 says, For the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus has set me free from the law of sin and death. Now, physical slavery, the institution of slavery, was also another important topic in the scriptures. But it's the slavery to sin that Jesus referred to when he said, Truly, truly, I say to you, everyone who commits sin is a slave to sin. And commits means that you're continually sinning. And as Paul put it, a man is sold under sin. And the issue is that no one, not even the best of us, has power over sin on their own outside of Jesus. Like I said, no matter how good you are, no matter how charitable you are, no matter how much you give to the poor, even if you're able to kick a bad habit on your own, getting rid of sin is a whole nother subject altogether. And it's sin that makes and leads to the greatest problems in our lives. So our inability to get rid of it is a serious matter. It's not something that we can take lightly. It means that we are not free. If we have not accepted Jesus Christ, if we're still walking in sin and committing sins, even those that we don't think are sin, then we are still slaves technically, and only Jesus can make us free. And those of us who are free who have accepted the gift of salvation that Jesus has given, there's still a temptation to being too free in our freedom since we don't have anything to do with earning our salvation. But we are more than once warned that we cannot misuse the liberty that Christ has given us. It's important to live as free people and not make our liberty the way that we bring 
a new form of slavery into our lives. So when people kick against the boundaries and they demand freedom, and I'm not talking about demanding like real justice here, but a freedom that they deem necessary, can that really be called freedom? So in this society that we live in today, it's easy for us to see everything in terms of our personal rights and how we feel about ourselves. We are a very self-centered society. Look at all of social media. It's all about the selfie, about ourselves. And we place our modern individuality and our personal rights often into the same category as Christian liberty, which ends up giving us a distorted view of what our liberty in Christ is meant for. So often when we think about the subject of Christian liberty, our first thought is, is this good for me? Does this feel good to me? And we often look at personal rights as things that we can't live without. Doesn't matter what God says about it. It's what we want for our lives. So if our freedom is based on how good something makes us feel, then we fall into this sort of false narrative that there's nothing wrong with living in ways that are contrary to God. Because we all think or are led to think based on society that God just wants us to be happy, right? Our happiness, though, is not just what we want. Our happiness, according to the scriptures, is always linked to God and to the personal betterment of others. Jesus Christ died to free us from our sinfulness, which is rooted in selfishness so that we're free to glorify God and also to love our neighbors at the same time. So our salvation is never just about us. It's not just a personal walk for us. Our salvation is always tied to someone else and our salvation or lack of it is always going to touch someone else's life. Theologian John Calvin reminds us to use our freedom in both a responsible and a loving way. He said this, Nothing is plainer than this rule, that we should use our freedom if it results in the edification of our neighbor. But if it does not help our neighbor, then we should forego it. And that's the end of the quote. So when people are protesting their personal rights to go to beaches in the middle of a global pandemic, such as COVID-19, are they using their freedom in a responsible and loving way? And I'm sure many of them would argue yes, but you have to look at the facts surrounding the situation and the impetus behind why they are demanding their personal freedom. Some of them are economic. Some of them are based on their government or political beliefs. But one thing we have to remember is that as Christians, we are called to respect and obey the laws of the land. Does our Christian liberty give us a license to kick against the boundaries that state and local officials have put into place to protect our health? Or do we know better because we live in a democracy? It's a very timely question. From the start of time, God put certain boundaries in place to protect us while at the same time giving us freedom from sin. Think of the boundaries he created for how we to use our bodies, not for sex outside of marriage, but for the safety and security of sex inside of marriage because he created it and he knows the best way for us not to fall into sin and to 
further create a bondage for ourselves. But a lot of people denounce God's good way and count it as bondage, saying that they can do whatever they want. God gave us boundaries for alcohol and for eating so we aren't slaves who are bound to drunkenness and gluttony. There's always goodness behind the boundaries that God set for us, even though society tells you the opposite. So when we fail to consider God and others, even something like Christian liberty can cause us to easily fall into sin. At the end of the day, freedom is a chance to love God and others in a right way, according to scripture, since Jesus Christ gave up his rights to make us children of God. The scriptures say in Philippians chapter two, verses three through eight, do nothing from selfish ambition or conceit, but in humility count others more significant than yourselves. Let each of you look not only to his interest, but also to the interest of others. Have this mind among yourselves, which is yours in Christ Jesus, who, though he was in the form of God, did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped, but emptied himself by taking the form of a servant, being born in the likeness of men, and being found in human form, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. So we see that Jesus was able to be humbled, so we should be able to do likewise. But we live in a rebellious time. This generation is all about rebellion, but really it's no different than any other generation going back all the way to the book of Genesis. A lot of people only obey laws and the authorities when it's convenient for them. Overall, there's a general lack of respect for those in government. And a lot of people who call themselves Christians are guilty of this as well. They're guilty of having a critical and a rebellious spirit against those authorities that have been set in place to keep us all safe. So we're not expected to agree with our leaders if they want us to do things that are a violation of scripture. But the scripture says that we're to honor all men, love the brotherhood, fear God and honor the king. This is first Peter two and 17. And it's, it can be easy to believe the lie that those who are in authority over us are robbing us of the freedom to do what we want to do. But the truth is that God has placed them there for our protection and our freedom. When we rebel against God and the authorities that he put in place, it's a sin. And it gives Satan a foothold to come in and plant rebellion in our hearts. And the only key to fight against this is submission and not just an outward look of submission, but a true submission that's found in our heart. He wants us to have a sincere submission for those who are in authority over us. So in the Bible, it's clear that we have two main responsibilities toward those who are in authority over us. First is to pray for them. We see this in 1 Timothy chapter 2, 1 and 2. And second is to submit to them. This is Romans chapter 13, verses 1 through 7. And the truth is, is that being under authority takes faith. We have to trust that God is going to work through the authorities, even when we feel like they're doing detriment to society. But we have to trust that God's good hand works all things for good. And there may be times when 
those who are over you, abuse their authority or break the laws, may do things that are harsh or unkind. And in those cases, we do need to seek help from a higher authority for protection. And if authorities require you to break God's law, you ought to obey God instead of man. We see this in Acts chapter 4, verses 19 and 20. But you have to be careful, though, because we can't assume that an authority is violating God's word just because they're telling us to do something that we don't like. God has put specific authority over us to protect us and to give us order to our daily lives. So as we close, I would ask that you prayerfully request the Lord to show you any specific ways where you have been rebellious to authority or even to him. Then let that go, repent of it, walk away, and then step into the freedom that Jesus Christ died on the cross for you to have. So that's it for this week's episode. Thank you so much for listening. I wanted to read two reviews that I got recently. One is from Chandra B. And she said, I'm able to understand the Bible. I appreciate all of the podcasts. They allow better insight and understanding. And she left this review on Apple Podcast. And then from Mad Yella, she said, I have enjoyed your podcast. You are informative about the lessons you bring. Even your voice is calming in this time of uncertainty. Thank you, sis. May God continue giving you vision on your podcast. Stay safe. I just want to say thank you so much for these reviews. They really do encourage my heart. And if you feel inclined to leave one, I would so appreciate it. So that's it for this week's podcast. Thank you so much for tuning in to Unfolding Words. Be sure to share the podcast with a friend if you're enjoying it. And until next week, may God's word be a lamp to your feet and a light to your path. God bless you.